This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. That is wonderful. Wonderful way to start the morning. And I'm thinking about our, our series here. we got a slide. It's called Face to Face. It's a three-part series. And part one is, is about betrayal. Like, ouch. Betrayal, that word is a heavy word. Who thinks of betrayal like in terms of a joke or light? It's not lighthearted. This is the real stuff when you get down to betrayal. But getting into it, I just wanted to think about this. You know, I was thinking about when I was just a young, young parent and I had a, a toddler who was just learning how to talk and I walk into the clean kitchen or what I thought was a clean kitchen and the floor is covered with maybe two inches of orange juice. Well, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but you know, covered with orange juice, and there is my toddler daughter looking up at me, and I'm like, what happened? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Like, I've been betrayed. <laughs> and, and like, you went, where does that come from? How come she didn't own up? Where did that come from? Kids are born that way. Oh, my goodness. So when you think about, well, who hasn't betrayed somebody at some point in their life? Raise your hand if you haven't. Okay, I don't see any hands out there, right? So at some level, we all have entered into that space that actually, in hindsight, doesn't feel very good. Why doesn't it feel very good? A, well, it's unethical, but I think it gets a little more serious when we recognize that betrayal undermines trust. It can destroy trust. It causes separation. It extinguishes relationships. So, therefore, betrayal is a hardcore subject. It starts in the book of Genesis. In the very, very first chapters, you see this story Wonderful story of the Garden of Eden, a beautiful paradise. And, and the first people who are so innocent, they don't even wear any clothes. And then before you know it, what is it? The serpent beguiles them. And they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what that story is about is just fundamentally betrayal. And it surfaces again and again and again throughout the Bible. And yes, it shows up in the story. This is really a, a talk that comes out of Matthew 26. So toward the end of the gospel story, and it's about the betrayal of Jesus. So, going back just to check my notes here to make sure I don't get too far out of track. Check the slide with the disciples. Got a list. Oh, yeah, let's go to the disciples slide. We got a list of the 12 disciples here, and is there one of these disciples that you might have noticed? You've never met anybody with the name of that disciple. You know, there's lots of Thomases, there's lots of Johns, lots of Jameses, but Judas, and eh, not so much, right? Well, I'm just going to point out that that name Judas... Judas actually is just the Greek version of the name Judah. 
which of course, if you think Old Testament, you're thinking Judah. Well, that was the largest tribe of the children of Israel. Judah is a huge name. Judah is kind of a reference to everything that had happened in the Old Testament and then into the beginning of the New. So it's, it's a name with connections. And, and when you think of this story then, think of all the connections that are tied in with this. Then we start to think about, you know, what Judas is all about. So, you know, just think of it this way. If I were given the job of hiring 12 disciples for Jesus, that he'd say, here, Dave, I need you to hire 12 disciples. Will you go out and find 12 quality disciples for me? And then I go out and I start an interview process. I go through the resumes, you know, and I, I circle strengths and weaknesses. And then I start interviewing. I got to say, I probably would not have hired any of those characters at all. I wouldn't have hired them. Why? Well, go back if you get a chance and read this chapter, Matthew 26. It's actually a long chapter, but it is filled with disciple screw-ups. It's just packed with them. So the disciples, you know, constantly throughout the whole New Testament are arguing about who gets to be first, who's most important. How come that guy who's not one of us can do miracles? That stinks. He shouldn't be allowed. God called down lightning on that guy. You know, they're, they're these kinds of guys, and yet they're the ones that God called. Jesus came and tapped them on the shoulder, said, you follow me, you follow me. I think that's a wonderful example of what God had in mind. Like he didn't have in mind the dream team. He was thinking real human beings. And I think because of that, he's able to project the big picture and he's able to not only paint a picture for us, what real life can look like, real life that is filled with a deep level of joy and bounty despite the external ups and downs and rocks and hard places that we experience here. But at the same time, there's this depth of beauty that is constantly growing. Well, by uh, assembling those 12 imperfect, kind of klutzy when it comes to social things types of disciples and getting them involved in his story, he was constructing the perfect environment for his future blessing on humanity. And what I want to invite you to think about today is that you might just be one of those disciples too. Klutzy a little bit, like me, full of bumps and imperfections and reactivity and ego and whatever. But through all of that, God is calling each of us to help contribute to a better humanity. And that, to me, is something that's really, really exciting. Now, I want to ask the guys up in the booth, can you go back to that slide I hopped over earlier? That's that. um, Yeah, that's it. Thank you. So there's this saying, and I'll bet you've probably heard about it, heard it before. Life is more about the journey than the destination. Have you ever heard that one before? It's about the journey, not the destiny. 
I don't quite agree with that in that I'm a big believer in goal setting and that kind of thing. And I think goals are important for human beings. But if you get to the point where you ignore the journey because of your goals, you're really going to miss what it means to be a human being. And I have a way that I've come to really think about this, and that's like this, that scientists, astrophysicists, have determined that the universe is expanding. It's been expanding ever since the beginning of time, since the Big Bang, and it's still going out into hyperstellar whatever space. It's just going out and out and out, and it's still expanding. I think that's a metaphor for human life. And I think the metaphor is, we can say, well, the universe is expanding, just like the scientists say. Or we can say, your universe is expanding. Your universe is expanding. Can we all just say from together, my universe is expanding. My universe is expanding. And to walk in and start to inhabit that space and realize God wants our universe to constantly expand. That is a part of what true blessing is all about. That, I think, is the context for this subject about betrayal. It's the, sub, it's, it's the context for how we deal with all the different kinds of ups and downs, griefs, trials, difficulties that we experience, sicknesses, all of that stuff, if we are able to pack that into the context of our universe, my universe, is constantly expanding, there's constant change, and while this moment might feel very difficult, the world, my world, is becoming a better place, and I'm going to see it expand into something new, something exquisite, something deeply rich in the future, and it is happening. It's constantly happening. So that's kind of how I, I look at it. So, going back to my little slide notes here, because now I'm completely lost. Let's go to the timer, which is the next one. What I'd love to see is some texts from you. I got my, my number up here. You can text Chuck if you want, but I won't get it. Um, but here's a question for you, and take a little bit of time either to talk this over with a friend or text in the answer. When are we most, when, what's it like? When are we most likely to betray someone or something that we love? So go. Oh, yeah. I got some rich texts. When I'm betrayed, when I feel threatened or insecure, yeah, I, I got that. Uh, they're flying in. When our needs are more important, when I'm afraid of losing something or not getting something that I want, when I'm being tested, when times are hard, lots of full of fear ones, I hear you. 
And uh, yeah, that, that's the kind of thing. A lot of fear ones. Possibility of public shame, individual loss, or um, yeah, that kind of thing. I, I can't read the rest of it because it's off, off of my screen. But um, I, I was thinking about this, and try this on for, for a size. I think for me, to, to boil it all down, I have a lot of, when ego comes up, I'm ready to betray. You know, I'm starting to think that way, which is terrible. But I think that any time that I am blinded to internal realities because of external circumstances, that's when I become vulnerable. Does that make sense to you? So when I'm blinded to what's above, and like as a human being walking around in our physical world, I'm, already, I'm always ready to be blinded, you know what I mean? But when I'm blinded or shut off to that internal reality, then things are ready to go haywire. And I think that that's kind of the context into which Judas stepped. And, you know, the story, getting into the story a little bit here, this, we focus a lot on Judas, but the context really is that in this story, Matthew 26, well, Jesus asks Peter, James, and John, watch for me while I go and pray in the garden. Stay watch. He's saying, stand guard, guys. Be alert. Watch. He walks away to pray. They fall asleep. He comes back. He says, why are you sleeping? What's going on? I asked you to stand guard. Just watch here for just a few minutes. Walks away. Guess what? fall asleep a second time, and a third time. And then there's the denial around, some of you are going to, going to deny me when I'm, given, when I'm uh, taken by the Romans and, the, and the, you know, the, the priests here. Some of you are going to, we're never going to deny you. You've got to be kidding. You're all going to deny me, he says. And then, of course, it goes into Peter. You're going to deny me three times. There's all of this atmosphere of screw-up and denial and not really owning what's going on, I think, all because of a focus on external realities. With Judas, people have speculated, well, Judas thought what he was going to do is trigger the insurrection that was going to topple the Roman government. It was going to change everything. Then the Messiah, Jesus, would rule. And he might have thought, and it's true, it's possible, I don't know. I mean, nobody can really see what his motives were. But it's possible he had this kind of twisted idea that he could actually start things that would set the world aright. Well, that didn't work out so well. We don't know. Maybe, you know, he's just the guy who's the bean counter for the disciples, and he's thinking, ah, get some money here, 30 pieces of silver, I know Jesus will deal with this, so we'll be fine, and we'll have some money. We're kind of running low, and, and we need to be able to put food on the table or something. You know, it could have been just some really, really external thing, and what it did was it triggered a pretty massive reaction. So here's the story. One of the 12, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests, and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. 
30 pieces of silver, by the way, is 30 days wages. So that's a pretty pretty large lump sum of cash that, that he was actually looking for. It wasn't like 30 cents or something like that. It was a significant amount of money. So, um, and then, you know, hopping over, we have this actual time where Jesus... Um, Jesus was betrayed and he comes up and he betrays him with a kiss and and the 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 text is Jesus said um oh he says to Jesus greetings rabbi and he kisses him and Jesus's reply and I think this is really wonderful he doesn't say um you know oh how dare you he doesn't say, you enemy. And I, I really think that he has love in his, his eyes when he says this. He says, friend, do as you came to do. It's like Jesus really gets that this is a larger, more complicated context than maybe what Judas is seeing it in. And so the betrayal happens, and that's that's a heavy moment. I can easily picture that it's, at that point, you know, he just kissed, just kissed him, and when Jesus says, friend, you know, he comes back and friend, do as you came to do, that suddenly everything shifts for Judas, that he suddenly sees what he did. Because later in the story, we read that Judas was seized, seized is the word. He was seized with remorse. And he says, to the Pharisees who who totally reject him. He wanted to give the 30 pieces of silver back, but he says, I have betrayed innocent blood. And he throws the money at him, it lands on the floor, and he goes out. And tragically, Judas goes off and he, he kills himself because of this, which is, it's a horrendously heavy uh, story. So, there are some external aspects of betrayal that we see playing out. And I get, and I want the band maybe to come out for, for this middle song, I, I, I get how those external circumstances of our lives, not only do we get into betrayal, because we get lured into it because of thinking about life purely from an external perspective. But then after the event, we can get seized with remorse, which is a good thing, fear. But if we continue to process the event from that external perspective, then things continue to get bad. They continue to go downhill. So for us, we get to a watershed where it's time to change direction or change our look. Repent is a word which simply means changing your aspect or changing, turning. And uh, that to me is a part of a change your attitude, change where you're looking. Instead of looking and interpreting where things have been purely from that external, start to look up and watch what can happen. That's what we're going to deal with after the song.
So we're thinking about the choice that we have. And uh, there's a very powerful concept in new church theology that comes back to me again and again. When you start talking about repentance, the goal of repentance is a new life. That's the whole purpose. Like you can get so caught up in the shame and the conviction and the sense of how we blew it or the self-esteem destruction or or the aftermath of doing something horrific. But the whole point of going through this process is to begin a new life. A new life. A life that is filled more with beauty, more with spiritual realities, and more toned and touched by love. Love for other people. That's what really it's all about. I was thinking about something a psychologist friend of mine said many years ago. And uh, he said basically this. He said, there, there are basic, basically two human qualities. You can just boil it down to two qualities. Uh, empathy, which is an ability to really listen and get where somebody else is. People refer to it as the ability to really put yourself in another human being's shoes and understand where they are. That's empathy. And the second piece of being a human being would be remorse. The ability to really show remorse when you have blown it and really get that that blowing it hurts other people. It changes realities for not only oneself but for others and to own it. And if he, he, he said that if a person has these two qualities their lives may be very difficult, but if they have those two qualities, they're going to be okay. They're going to be happy people. They're going to be contributing to their communities. Empathy and remorse. And one of the things I think about with this whole betrayal piece is that if, and this never happens, But if a human being went through their entire lives and never betrayed anybody else and never experienced that that seizure of conscience or whatever, oh, I really blew it, I really screwed up, I did hurt somebody else or a group of people. If a person never goes through life and experiences that, how could they possibly actually be empathetic? Like both of those two critical pieces of being a human being just fall flat. So in a sense, that it is engaging in our journey and recognizing that we do go through life often with huge screw-ups, huge mistakes, And going through that and owning it and recognizing it and then moving on actually is what lifts us up to that deeper level so that we too can truly begin to act as a human being really engaging with others, that we get life. We get what it's all about. And then we can engage and share and help and participate in the lives of those around us in real, human, understanding ways so that other people can be lifted by our insights and helped by the path that we walk. That is a blessing. And that's the blessing, I guess, that comes 
through, going through these difficult times, going through these screw-ups, just like any one of the disciples or all of them at different times, coming out the other side and recognizing that God is leading us on a journey that helps us to be more human. Our world, our universe then, is expanding in a beautiful way. I'm talking about this with Chuck. He had mentioned this wonderful passage that exists in New Church Theology. It comes from the book True Christianity. And there's this image that's really, really wonderful. So the image is about new church. New church is a new theology, a new description and presence of God as a universal loving presence throughout the world, one who loves every human being unceasingly. Without stop, you can't turn off his love because it's, it's infinite. You can't turn off the infinite. That is who God is, and he's constantly reaching. So his truth is really his reach in an effort to lift human beings up and share that love with him. That's the message of what New Church is all about. So there's this image in this book of Jesus sending the 12 disciples out throughout heaven with this wonderful new view of who God truly is. And he sends, who does he send? Those guys that I would not have interviewed. He sends the 12 disciples. Did you hear that? The 12, not the 11, but the 12 disciples to share his message that the Lord God, Jesus Christ, reigns. He reigns with love, And his kingdom, that kingdom, will be for ages and ages, and it will help you as an individual grow no matter where you are. No matter where you are, he is there for you to help you grow and become a more loving person. What does that say about Judas? My picture of this, when I think about, wait, wait a minute, Judas, he's in, he got this. He got this job. Well, what if he was looking at God's love, you know, in in this spiritual reality of heaven from the perspective of having gone through all of that betrayal and remorse and seeing life from a completely different perspective from what he had initially judged? You know, with that experience, that would give him, I would think, incredible wisdom and depth to reach and share that message in people's lives. Yes, it would be authentic. Yes, it would be real based on some real catastrophic decisions that he had made in his life. But because of that, there's a richness that he's able to convey that I don't know who else in in similar situation, like unless you've gone through that situation, how on earth would you be able to really show that depth in that way? And that is a real blessing. So there's a flip side to this as our universe expands. So I have just one more slide and then a close. 
but I want you to look at this film clip, if you will, and look at what's available to us as we start thinking about our lives from that context of love and watch what happens. You say words are things and that they're so powerful. So what words do you turn to for comfort? Love. And again, see, I don't mean, I think, I think love is that condition in the human spirit so profound that it allows us to forgive. Mm-hmm. And it, it may be the energy which keeps the stars in the firmament. Yes. I'm not sure. It may be the energy which keeps the blood running smoothly through our veins. I'm not sure. But it's something beyond the explanation. It can be used for anything you can't explain, any good thing you can't explain. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Where do you go for solace, for comfort? Are there books that you read? Or when Maya Angelou needs comforting, yes. yeah. What, yes. do you, what do you use? I, I'm a student of unity. And there's a book called The Lessons Unity Church? Unity yeah. Church. Mm-hmm. Maya first discovered the Unity Church in her 20s after her voice coach and mentor, Fred Wilkerson, invited her to a service there. Founded in 1889, Unity is a Christian movement that emphasizes affirmative prayer and education as a path to spirituality. I took a course in Unity about two years ago online, not to become a member, a minister, Mm -hmm. but just to understand more deeply. There's a book called Lessons in Truth. Wow. And in the book, there's a line which is, God loves me. And when I came to read it to my then mentor, Frederick Wilkerson, uh, the late Frederick Wilkerson, Mm -hmm. I read, God loves me. And he said, read it again. I said, God loves me. He said, read it again, Mm. read it again. And finally, I said, God loves me. It still humbles me that this force, which made leaves and fleas and, and stars and rivers and, and you, loves me. Me, Maya Angelou. It's amazing. I can do anything and do it well. Any good thing, I can do it. That's why I am who I am. Yes, because God loves me and I'm amazed at it and grateful for it. But I love that concept that the God who made the fleas, the stink bugs, uh, he made the Rocky Mountains, He made Oprah, he made you, and he actually made me. That is amazing. Just, what if we just take a moment here, say it together, God loves me. Let's say it, ready? God loves me. All right, now let's say it again. God loves me. One more time, God loves me.
He loves me. He loves you and you. He loves every one of us. And getting in touch with that is is what his whole purpose and being is all about. Now, just to close, there is a passage, again, in the theology for our church that talks about God's perspective in our life. And it says basically this. There are times when we look around in our lives and what we see is piles of rubble. We look around and it looks like our lives are a mess. There's just junk everywhere. And that's our perception. And yet God, when he looks at our lives, do you know what he sees? He sees the construction materials for a beautiful home. A beautiful, unique, individual, special place that is just for you. And it's a perfect place. It's the perfect place for you to articulate your unique brand of love and wisdom. And that's God's perspective. So as we're going through these rocky times in our lives, times that can be filled and even dominated with shame, remorse, and the the negative emotions that wash through our lives because of poor decision-making that we actually may have made, that God is still looking at our world and he sees something beautiful that's being built and he's constantly building it and he loves you. He loves you, that person that he created because he had a purpose in mind when he created you. And there are no exceptions to that. And that is a wonderful thing to keep in mind. Thank you. And we're going to close with a prayer. And I'll pray and we'll have a little music and then you'll have some time to pray on your own in the silent prayer. You can say the Lord's Prayer or you can say any prayer that you feel you need to say in order to connect with God. And just say, listen for a moment. Listen to that voice of love in reply. Lord, we turn to you. We turn to you knowing that you have the big picture in mind. You know what heaven is like now. You know what our eternal destiny can look like. Lord, keep us comforted in knowing that you are constantly striving to lead us forward with everything that you have to help us to grow, to help us to prosper, to help us to thrive in an ever-expanding spiritual universe. Lord, reach out and touch us and keep us humbly aware of your eternal love for us. Inspire us, Lord, this week as we go out so that we can share your message of love with others. Amen.
Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 